you are Locked On NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Locked On NFL podcast. It's Tuesday. That means you got me, Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at Luke Braun NFL. And Ross, my good buddy, my good pal, unfortunately a Saints fan, Ross Jackson at Ross Jackson <laughs> Nola on Twitter. Unfortunately for him, as we are about to discuss, because today <laughs> is a day we want to go over some quarterback battles and how those battles moved. In the preseason, there were a lot of preseason debuts for some rookies going up against veterans. You know, you have Fields versus Dalton. You have Trevor Lawrence versus Gardner Minshew. Um, and you also have some veteran battles like uh, Taysom Hill versus Jameis Winston in New Orleans. you got Teddy Bridgewater versus Drew Locke. We're going to talk about all of that stuff. We also got the Tuesday Fantasy Forum. We're going to kind of talk about this from a fantasy angle as well. Um, but I just want to dive right in. I want to talk about it. I want to talk about Justin Fields. He was my second favorite quarterback in this draft after uh, Trevor Lawrence. He mm-hmm. went to my uh, dearly hated Bears. <laughs> oh, yeah. Right within the division for you. too. Just huh? shattering my heart as my Vikings <laughs> were too cheap for it. And it seemed like he had a, a pretty good game. People were really excited about his game. Yeah, I mean, he had a really nice one. I mean, you saw all the things that you would expect to see from him. He was able to create with his legs, extend plays. He turned defenders into conflict defenders in the flats who had to either make the decision to go after him to try to keep him from picking up yardage. And then it opened up opportunities for him to pick up a first down with a quick dump off to, you know, a receiver. He of course had the rushing touchdown also threw a touchdown on a, on a throwback, which we saw some very successful throwbacks this weekend for whatever reason that, that scheme just seemed to work wide for zone. these young quarterbacks. Yeah, exactly. A bunch of wide zone coaches <laughs> getting some like YOLO schoolyard kids out there. <laughs> Right, we're like not afraid of it at all. So yeah, I that he, he really wants the occasion. He wrote, the, I don't, I don't like seeing quarterbacks throw across their body. Okay, Ross, that's fair. It's fair. I completely understand. <laughs> I got that. Memory. <laughs> I can't say that I blame you, uh, but no, I mean, I, I think that I, I think that he had a really nice performance and and showed his tool set in terms of why it is that he's going to be able to be the guy that makes his claim for himself to be the starting quarterback in Chicago sooner rather than later going up against the pair of three and outs by Andy Dalton. Yeah. So here's my thing about the Justin Fields game. Uh, Maybe I'm trying my best not to be biased as a division rival fan. I didn't love it as much. Mm -hmm. So he struggled a lot out the gate. uh Uh-huh. And first half against the twos, it seemed like he was really trying to operate the offense within structure. Mm-hmm. And that was a bigger struggle than when he let loose and started playing schoolyard. And that might be good news for the bears. Maybe they just say, all right, then play schoolyard. If that's what you got to do, then we're going to play schoolyard and we're just going to be a team that does this. And that's, I mean, shoot, the chiefs won a super bowl on that. It's fine. Um, but when you're playing schoolyard and dunking on third teamers that I, like, I need to see uh, consistency and and I want to see a little bit more in structure, even though it's not like Andy Dalton did very well in the first couple of drives there anyways. So maybe this all doesn't matter. But like that thing, you know, putting defenders in conflict in the flat is a lot easier when you've got some overzealous rookie that thinks that they're getting a sack versus, you know, a wily NFL veteran that knows what you're trying to do and is going to back off and try to get a pick on you. Right, right. And I think that that's all fair. I, I tend not to use the second team, third team type of uh, of of conversation to 
uh, compare these quarterbacks or try to evaluate these quarterbacks because I'm looking at traits. I'm looking at the things that the quarterbacks are able to do. Are they delivering passes on time? Are they delivering passes accurately and within the frame of the receiver? In his case, is he able to create with his legs? Does he trust his ability? I'm looking at things that aren't necessarily dependent upon what the opposing defense isn't or is doing or, you know, what they're sort of known for or not known for, depending upon whether or not they're starters and things like that. I'm a little bit more curious in terms of, hey, whatever it is that is happening, how is this quarterback executing? And there, and that's what I try to evaluate. So that's one of the reasons why I did very much like uh, uh, Justin Fields' performance on Saturday when he got his opportunity. Yeah, I, and I definitely agree with that as like part of your process. You shouldn't just write off and be like, well, it was against their team or so it didn't count. But I think when I look at the traits and I look at the things he does, it does kind of stick out to me that, look, in the second half of a preseason game, that defense is going to be more aggressive. I'm not saying, oh, those players are bad, therefore you did against them didn't count. You still threw accurate passes, things were on time, and he did do that. He operated the offense well, and it's great for a rookie in his debut to you know show grasp of the playbook and grasp of the timings and chemistry with the guys that he's probably been practicing with, practicing with like Rodney Adams. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I want to see that happen against, I guess, a different vibe of defense you know yeah, aggressive yeah. Th- you know guys trying to make the team guys trying to play hero is not what you're going to see in the nfl stylistically sure and a lot of that schoolyard stuff those guys are just going to be a little better at punishing you uh i, I want to talk a little bit about your saints and the uh, quarterback battle that happened here <laughs> your uh situation you've got Taysom hill Jameis winston both hilarious for their own reasons uh i didn't watch it how'd they do um, listen, I, uh, the, the, okay. So here's where I do start to look at evaluations and then kind of temper a little bit where Taysom did his best was the first drive of the game. What would be within the definition of like a scripted first 15, if you will, where Jameis played his best was in a two minute drill, which Sean Payton has historically been excellent at scheming up his entire career. So our coaching career. So at what point do you give the quarterbacks the credit versus the coaching and the scheme, the credit. And that's the part that I've tried to like remove as much as I can. And then again, just try to look at these guys and see Mm -hmm. how is it that they executed when they threw the ball. Each of them threw 12 passes. I counted eight of them on target, four of them each off target. So again, no separation there. I thought three of those were egregiously off target when it came to Taysom Hill, as well as the miscommunication between he and Ty Montgomery that led to an interception. I found two of them to be egregiously off target for Jameis Winston, although he through an interception himself that I don't entirely put on him because if you're a wide receiver and you're six foot four, instead of going up and tipping the ball up in the air, you should probably go up and try to fight for that catch. So I I do kind of give Jameis Winston the edge for Saturday's game. And I've been called some very nasty words for this, but I do give Jameis Winston the edge from Saturday's game. But do I think that it's enough to say Jameis is the starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints? No. And I don't think it's any surprise. In fact, we know it's not a surprise. Sean Payton said he wants to see two preseason games. So next up, they're going to be going up against the Jacksonville Jaguars who just don't look ready for football. So this should be an opportunity for either Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston to really separate themselves in the conversation. Could you... Perhaps bet on it. Oh, Luke, 
let me leave no doubt. You more than certainly can over at betonline.ag because they have quarterback battles that you can bet on. It's one of the coolest things that they have up on the website as far as I'm concerned, but there's so much more up there as well. You can get in on the, uh, you can get on these preseason games if you want to. Luke and I have joked about that before. Not the greatest recommendation from us. I certainly didn't. You can't prove that I did. (laughs) (laughs) You weren't supposed to do that, but you also have all the futures as well. End of year awards, including MVP, comeback player of the year james winston anybody i'm just joking uh offensive rookie of the year defensive rookie of the year and so many others you can get involved in and of course the mlb season as it continues on wnba is coming back the nba is back in october there's so much more to get in on as well and that's just within the world of sports you can also check out stuff for reality tv game shows and react and uh and uh award ceremonies as well so go and check them out over at betonline.ag and to help you out you go ahead and get a 50 percent welcome bonus on your very first deposit after you create your account by using the promo code locked on L O C K E D O N. That's promo code locked on for a 50% welcome bonus over at Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, everybody, continuing on with this Tuesday episode of the Locked On NFL podcast, Ross Jackson here with me, Luke Braun. Let's talk a little bit about a, a, a veteran battle. One I was mm. lucky enough to see in person. I, I was at US Bank Stadium when the Broncos shellacked my beloved stupid Vikings. <laughs> and uh, so the the story of that game is the Vikings were, I think, sat the second most people in the whole league in week one of the preseason. They didn't play any of their ones. They didn't play a lot of their twos. Um, so it was basically second and third teamers from the start. It was like the second half of the preseason game for the whole preseason game. Um, which gave us a really good opportunity to kind of see, okay, against air, basically, dudes that aren't going to make the team in Cameron Dantzler, um, what do we see from Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater? And, and if you talk to most Broncos people, I talked to Cody Roark from Locked On Broncos and Sarah Bettinger over there. Those two guys both said that Drew Locke has kind of won the battle so far and that mm. Teddy Bridgewater hasn't. And Ben Albright, who covers the Broncos, also kind of thinks that. But if you ask Vic Fangio, he says, no, 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 it's even Steven. Um, so, and uh, probably coach speak, right? I was going to say, do you think um, it's coach speak? But yeah, but I mean, even still, right? Regardless. Yeah, I do. I do think it's coach speak. I think Drew Locke's winning the battle. He hasn't won the battle, but he's winning it. And if if it's not a conclusion, a coach can't say somebody's winning, somebody's losing. Because you might as well have said that that guy's won. Right. Um. And I think when you're playing against bad defense, and that's what the Vikings put out was bad defense. Um, it rewards Drew Locke more than it rewards Teddy Bridgewater. Drew Locke is aggressive. Mm-hmm. He throws deep. Teddy Bridgewater is conservative. He's safe. He is a very steady Eddie. Um, and that can work out sometimes. You know, when the Broncos play the Chargers, how that's a good defense. Him, how did you not call him steady Teddy? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no. I'm losing my touch. <laughs> That's where Teddy Bridgewater isn't always going to be able to do that for you. He'll get that for you every couple of games or so, but on a game-by-game basis in terms of taking shots and every team wants to be able to take those shots and run shot plays, Drew Locke is probably the better fit for you at this moment. Yeah, and he's getting a lot of credit, especially for an 80-yard touchdown he threw to KJ Hamler. That was a coverage bust on the back end. Big it was a time coverage bust, yeah. Um, And so I probably wouldn't give Locke as much credit for that one. I think there are other plays in his game that I think are what kind of make me think he went ahead. Um, But I think that's the one that's kind of 
leading the story. And I don't know if that's entirely appropriate for a big touchdown on a coverage bust, like a big Justin Fields touchdown on a busted coverage dudes wide open the end zone. Every quarterback can hit that one, you know? Right. At the same time, though, at the same time, you want your quarterback to hit that throw because yeah, he's got to find we've it. seen as we've seen, not every quarterback always makes that throw, right? Like, I Which mean, cor- who, who could you possibly I'm, be I'm, talking I'm about? I'm just looking at a couple. <laughs> who could you possibly <laughs> be? Looking at a couple. One of them happened to do it in the Super Bowl and ended up losing that game. So I think that, I mean, there, there are some of these things too to where like you still give a positive evaluation because yes, they could still finish that play. Even though it was a coverage bus, you still have to be able to get the ball to that receiver. And so I, I still give him a little bit of credit on that, but I do agree that there were other plays throughout that I thought really set up Drew Locke for being able to continue to stay, to take another step ahead in this battle. Yeah. Speaking of quarterbacks who uh, lost in the Super Bowl, so the Patriots have a quarterback going. <laughs> Cam Newton and Mac Jones. Ross, tell me what you saw from it. Oh, all right. So Cam Newton and Mac Jones, the thing that was really interesting about this one is that you didn't get a ton of Cam Newton in this. But the, the thing that happened in this one is that you're so used to what Cam Newton can give you. Cam Newton of the past can give you, right? This mm-hmm. dynamic it's player. Not the same guy, that, yeah. And it's just simply not the same person. So it's a little bit you kind of have to try to forget all of that when you're trying to evaluate him. What Mac Jones did, he went out there and had a nice day, 13 of 18, 87 yards, if I remember correctly, had a 20-plus yard touchdown pass that he put right in the bucket for a receiver that he dropped. So just a note here, as long as we're sort of acknowledging the second and third team talent that these players are playing against, a lot of them are also playing with that same second and third mm-hmm. team talent. And that was a really good example of it. It's where Mac Jones put a fantastic ball out for a receiver who got a step on a DB and just wasn't able to, to reel it in. And so I do think that Mac Jones had the better day. And I'm not going to be the first person to say this. There have actually been several people who have mentioned this specifically about this battle and comparing it to the Justin Fields and Andy Dalton battle. The difference here, though, is do you go as quickly to a guy that doesn't give you dynamics in Mac Jones the way that you go to or are tempted to go to a guy that gives you massive amounts of dynamics like a Justin Fields or a Trey Lance? Do you wait a little bit longer on Mac Jones because the only thing that he gives you is pocket passing and precision? So do you wait on him a little bit longer than you wait on some of these other guys that can create and give you a higher floor, quote unquote, with their uh, ability to be able to scramble? extend plays and pick Mm -hmm. up yards on the ground cam newton what you wanted to see from cam was that he gave you that floor and i think he does give you that floor not only with his like scrambling but just by being a reliable quarterback and i don't know if the patriots really got that out of him in 2020 yeah yeah no i think that's absolutely right I, i i think right now i would wait on mac jones a little bit longer Roll with Cam Newton if he can continue to run this offense in a conservative manner and then sort of give you the addition by subtraction in that you're not taking a lot of risk in this offense, especially when you have so many pieces coming back to the defense for the Patriots and you have some dynamic weapons on the offensive side, particularly at positions where the short passing game can benefit Hunter Henry, Jonu Smith, these guys that you're able to throw to out of the backfield. I think that that all works very much for what uh, what Cam Newton is able to bring you on a steady, consistent floor, which I think is something that Bill Belichick would highly, highly value. And speaking of high value, Luke, 
there is no better value than that, which you can get from rockauto.com, rockauto.com. It's the same prices, or excuse me, it's the same pieces and parts that you would get from your you know, local sort of store that you can go to around the corner, your chain store, all of that, but for cheaper prices. So not cheap parts, it's the same pieces and same parts, but for cheaper prices. Big difference there. So go and check them out over at rockauto.com. Whatever it is that you need, whatever it is that you drive, whatever it is that it was built, they'll have you taken care of and have several options for you to choose from that range from being 30, 50, sometimes even 70% off. And you can do it all from the comfort of your own home. You don't have to go to the store and wait for somebody to go into the back for 20 minutes just to come in out and tell you that they can order it and have it within two to four weeks. No, you ain't got to worry about all that. You can do it from the comfort of your own home. Go to rockauto.com, find whatever it is that you need for your vehicle. And don't forget to let them know that Locked On sent you, right and Locked On in the How'd You Hear About Us section. It's amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need all over at rockauto.com. All right, let's move on with, uh, let's start talking about fantasy. Mm-hmm. I hate daily fantasy. I, ca- I can't stand it because it feels like you're jumping into a pool with like 10,000 people in it. And <laughs> how are you ever going to rise to the top? You basically just have to get lucky. But Stat Hero changed that. Stat Hero brought out a new way to play daily fantasy. It's completely unheard of. It's you versus the house. So you're not jumping into a pool with 10,000 people and you have a huge advantage. So you get to see what stat heroes lineup is. You wager as much as you want. It's like blackjack rolls. Wager as much as you want. Put in your lineup and if you win, you win. That is so much more exciting to me and I might actually get into daily fantasy (laughs) because of the way that stat hero operates. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. You can sign up for free. And right now you can get three times back on your first play. That means they're giving you a 300% match. It's insane. Go to stathero.com slash locked on. That's stathero.com slash locked on. But most of you are probably getting into redraft season soon. Uh, or maybe even rookie drafts coming up. And that means you're probably going to be watching these quarterback battles real keenly. So let's talk a little bit about these quarterback battles. And to to start, I want to circle back to the Justin Fields and Andy Dalton one, uh, because our our good pal Vinny Iyer had some thoughts. Speaking of Bears, they had the biggest highlight reel of anybody in excitement coming out of fantasy football and reality football. Justin Fields was spectacular, ran Excellently in that game, scored a touchdown there. He ran around to buy time and didn't get sacked, threw downfield very well for the Bears as well. So we want Justin Fields in that lineup. I think he has potential for a QB1 status immediately if he can go. The running baseline is really strong for rookie quarterbacks. We know that. That's really going to help you produce. And if he's going to give you an opportunity to run five to ten times a game and he's running pretty well where he can get – 40 to 60 yards a game with a chance to score in every game and also make some big plays using Allen Robinson, Darnell Mooney, the tight ends, and all the weapons he has. Fields is going to definitely produce fantasy football results. So Fields, let's hope he got closer to starting in the eyes of Matt Nagy and he'll drop this Andy Dalton QB1 lock-in here sooner rather than later. I love Vinny in this clip because you can sort of feel his disdain for the uh, Andy Dalton narrative <laughs> coming out of Chicago that Andy Dalton is going to be the starter. But I, look, I, 
like we talked about before, I liked Justin Fields opening sort of showing here. I look forward to seeing it over the next couple of weeks or however many weeks he gets, specifically probably over the next week. And I agree with Vinny that he is a player that gives you a floor. And if he mm-hmm. is named the starter, and even if he's not right, if you're in a dynasty league, go out and grab you a Justin Fields. I completely agree with that. But if you're in a redraft league and you want to wait to see if he's going to be named the starter, once he's named the starter, I think he's going to skyrocket up some boards, particularly like keeper leagues and things like that. And of course, anybody that's going to be getting, that's going to be looking for points for mobile quarterbacks, he ends up having this sort of Russell Wilson-like type of value in terms of what his floor can be because of all the different ways that he can pick you up those fantasy points. I'll tell you who it doesn't benefit, Andy Dalton does not benefit Andy Dalton to have a bad offensive line in front of you. So you have to have an eraser that can help you overcome that. Yeah, uh, right. A pressure eraser. Mm -hmm. Um, And speaking of those, I kind of feel like the Jaguars have two guys that are supposed to be pretty good pressure erasers. But that was a rough start for the Jaguars, for both Trevor Lawrence and Gardner Minshew. And I guess my question has to be like, what do we do here? (laughs) <laughs> I don't know. It's a tough one, but I'll tell you what, Vinny Iyer had something to say about it over on Locked on Fantasy Football. There was a notable debut. There was Trevor Lawrence making his first game action there for the Jaguars. He looked pretty good. I mean, I think the hype is a little crazy. We had him on the do not draft list. I don't want to take him there as a borderline QB1. I, I just don't think you're going to get that. DJ Chark didn't play. He's probably going to sit out all the preseason with a finger injury, but he did have a good connection. Lawrence did with Marvin Jones Jr., LaVisca Cheneau. He tried to connect with a tight end and a third running back, Carlos Hyde. That didn't quite work out there for him. He had a few errant throws, but he's going to be up and down based on the nature of this Jaguars offense. I think you'll see it being rather conservative. Things come out of play action if they're going to go Lawrence because they can't hold the ball too long and survey the field. We saw that with a couple of bad sacks there, one on his first drop back in his first NFL action. So be careful about drafting Trevor Lawrence. I know there's a lot of hype around him, but – Again, I'd rather chase Justin Fields if I know he's starting at this point because he's got the strong running baseline and the Bears will allow him to do that where I'm not sure the Jaguars are going to be totally sold on wanting uh, Lawrence getting more hits if he's getting smacked around in the pocket with their shaky protection. Okay, this is what I said the second the Jaguars hired Urban Meyer (laughs) was that this was a weird fit with, with Trevor Lawrence. And he just looked not ready to play. J- Gardner Minshew looked like he knew how to operate an offense and he's got a year in the NFL. Uh, so that kind of makes sense. But like Trevor Lawrence looked just not ready to, and that's fine, right? It's hard to transit transit, even for this all time, all world prospect mm-hmm. takes a while. NFL playbooks are big and the game moves a lot faster than it does in college. Let's you yeah. know, give him some time. Um, and so I, I don't know. I mean, Vinny knows a lot more about fantasy than me, but I'm not scared. I'm not off of Trevor Lawrence. It's not a good performance, but I think we'll see a little bit more from him once he has the timing down with guys a little better and he's got his accuracy down with guys a little better. Right right now, it's just it's more a chemistry issue than anything else, and I'm just not worried about that in the long term. Yeah, I, I did like what the what the Jaguars did with Trevor Lawrence right after that opening snap where he took a sack. They immediately went to a quick pass on the outside to LaVisca Chenault. Then they went to a timing route on the outside on the opposite side to Marvin Jones, got him in rhythm. And then you saw the big deep shot to Marvin Jones a little bit later who went up and made a nice catch, a nice grab on that. And so you sort of saw him settle in a bit. And that was a good move by the play callers to make sure that they did that with him. But I do think that... Where I do agree with Vinny is that if that offensive line is going to struggle in Jacksonville, as we expect that it might, 
then his floor as a dynamic quarterback that can get you rushing yards does decrease because they're not going to want him to take those risks and take those chances if he's already taking hits out the backfield, a la Joe Burrow last year, who was hit like 30 plus times by the time that he had unfortunately gotten injured. And I'm not trying to predict an injury for Trevor Lawrence. I'm just talking about the amount of times that he's going to be under pressure and the amount of times that he might get hit that might end up dropping the amount of times that he's willing to get outside the pocket or run with the design runs like we saw him in college. Yes, he was mobile in college and he made some beautiful plays dashing down the sideline like a golden flowing gazelle. <laughs> we certainly saw all of that in his right orange uniform, right? But I don't know that we're going to see that in Jacksonville or that they're going to be in a hurry to make that a part of his game this quickly. Yeah, I definitely hear that. And I, I would probably, if given the chance, would draft Justin Fields over Lawrence or anybody who I thought was going to run around, I would probably take over Lawrence, take Trey Lance, you know, over Lawrence and all that. And that's probably different than the way that I felt maybe a month or two ago. Um, but I like, we're not worried about him not winning this job because right. Gardner Minshew knew the offense and it was still bad. There is not a way for me to look at what Gardner Minshew did in the second quarter of that game and say, okay, here's how it gets fixed. It's hard to see that path forward with Lawrence. I see that path forward of, Oh, okay. Once he's more comfortable with the playbook and his receivers and stuff, this is all going to work out fine. And yeah, he'll be under a bunch of pressure and it's going to be, you know, the Jaguars aren't exactly going to be world beaters, Um, but I can at least see that being a real offense. And with Gardner Minshew, I just don't see that. And I feel like if I were a Jaguars coach, I'd be looking at it the same way. Yeah. 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 Once I saw Gardner Minshew miss that three yard pass in the flat, I was like, okay, we're done. <laughs> we're done here. <laughs> that pass was so funny. It was so bad, man. I'm sorry. Oh, I love Gardner, but that was such a mess. Yeah. No, that pass was horrific. But I'll tell you, it wasn't horrific. This episode of Locked On NFL with it's myself, debatable. Ross Jackson. It's, it's debatable, I guess. You've got myself, Ross Jackson, at Ross Jackson, Nola on Twitter, Luke Braun here at Luke Braun NFL. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Tony and James here to pick it up on Wednesday and talk a little bit more about some of the rookies going into these, uh, the preseason the here. And of course, all uh, them cuts. 4 p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday today, if you're listening on Tuesday. Uh, that's going to be the uh, roster cut deadline where teams have to go for 90 to 85 so there'll be a lot of storylines coming out of several different camps across the nfl new orleans saints already did theirs they were like we're we're cool <laughs> they moved on from their five easy they did it they did it on sunday they were like all right yeah get it done before the week <laughs> they wanted their monday off but we'll be back with you of course here every day here on locked on nfl don't miss our uh, fantasy football live show on wednesday at 9 p.m eastern time on the locked on nfl youtube page get your questions Questions in for them over at Locked On Network on Twitter. For Luke Braun, I'm Ross Jackson. Thank you very much for tuning in for this episode of Locked On NFL, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.